wealth management. Well, let's welcome you back to this week in the association. It's night number two of the American Association playoffs, Kevin, and a very exciting night as we already see two series come to an end tonight. Pretty interesting. The West was wrapped up, and the East will have Saturday night baseball. Absolutely. And, Kevin, we're going to look at two series. I I think uh, a little bit surprising that Sioux Falls fell as quickly as they did, the team that was probably the hottest team in the American Association over the last 30 days. But the Kansas City Monarchs team got two veteran major league guys in the starting rotation, and Miller Hogan did everything, gave Sioux Falls everything they could handle tonight, and they just had no answer for the right-hander. They definitely did, and those uh, major league guys all over that Kansas City roster just provide depth that is unmatched. Hogan well, gives them nothing lost. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, go Kevin, ahead. go ahead. No, I'll, I'll go, on, gonna... go on about your former major leaguers. <laughs> Hogan gives up six hits, strikes out eight in the contest. Uh, can, this was a, a, a pretty solid pitching performance by Akeem Bostic, but he unfortunately gave up a run in the first and two in the fifth, one in the seventh. Kansas City scores. Um, a big, it was all power here tonight, Kevin, and it's been this Mike Adolfo and Jacob Robson hit his first, Taylor Schneider, a late addition to the club with a, his second home run of the series. Just a, a team with a, when you're getting that kind of great pitching and you add some power into it, you're going to be difficult to beat. Undoubtedly, and it just it's frustrating to see how meekly Sioux Falls bowed out of the series, getting outscored by a combined 13 to 1 score in two games. Uh, I mean, the thing we talked about going to the series was this vaunted Sioux Falls offense, but the the big league arms managed to shut them down. You know, and it, it just goes to show us that Kansas City just figures out a way to put together, either just get a really solid pitching performance or get those extra base hits or something to wind up giving them victories. And it, it's been, I think this is a quite a bit, a bit different Kansas City team we've seen over the last few weeks because of the acquisitions the club has made. And this Taylor Snyder, Kevin, has, has really been quite a, a fine for manager Joe Calfo-Piedra. Not only two home runs in the series, but... Appeared in just 19 games for the team during the regular season. Hit 300 with five homers and 14 RBI. Just another one of those guys that Joe figures out a way to get into his lineup and and produce big hits, and he's helping this team advance to the next round. Yeah, it's amazing how he manages to find a way to get all these guys to come to Kansas City. It's um, pretty pretty magical. Um, But it was... um, and like I said, it was just tough for Sioux Falls. I, you know, I was messaging with Tanner Hoops, and, you know, sometimes we see it in baseball where teams fight so hard just to get into the playoffs that when they get there, there's nothing left in the tank. And I just felt like in the two games against Kansas City, that was the deal with the Canaries. Had. It was like, oh, all right, well, we got here. Damn, we're shot. I, I saw it in 2006 with the Minnesota Twins, who put up one of the better second halves of baseball just to get into the playoffs, and then went into a series even as a favorite against Oakland, and just had nothing. So I think that's what happened here. Hats off to Kansas City, obviously, but I just think the 
the, the tank just finally hit E for the Canaries, and it's too bad because it was a really good story. You know, Kevin, you, you could say the same thing about the other series out there in the West, that the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks had to really battle and get a big run during the stretch, have to hope that Lincoln kind of faltered, which they did, and they went up grabbing that last spot, but they lose the opening night there at home, and then tonight these bats were just completely silenced by Mitch Berberg and three relievers, Carlos Diaz, Max Coons, and Sean Rakowski, gave up just two hits in this contest while striking out 10. Fargo just look completely overmatched in this contest. It was interesting because, you know, it wasn't these guys on Sioux City that have, like, the AAA experience. It's a, it was a young guy like a Mitch Verberg that he wasn't overwhelmed by the seed, and he went in and just did a fabulous job against this Fargo-Moorhead lineup that had been bolstered lately with um, Dylan Thomas returning and with um, John Silviano coming back to the lineup. It was interesting tonight that Evan Alexander, a staple of the Fargo-Moorhead lineup, didn't even start tonight. He ended up being a pinch hitter in the game. Definitely concerns about what this team had brought offensively and that that combination deciding not to go with Alexander to start this game didn't didn't help this club out at all as they just had no answers for Verberg who was fantastic in this contest. Sioux City gave them all the offense that he needed with a a, a, a single in the fourth inning that wound up bringing excuse me a double by Scott Oden in the, in the fourth inning that wound up bringing Kyle Kasser. I guess he's the offensive hero in the game, Kevin, as he scored the first run and drove in the second. But if that bullpen, I, I think. Some people don't aren't giving enough credit to the Sioux City bullpen. Max Coons returned at the end of the season. Carlos Diaz has turned around his career a bit behind a fantastic job in tweaking him by Bobby Post and Steve Montgomery. And then Sean Rakosi closing the door on this on this contest. It's like this Sioux City team, you got five or six innings at most to try to get to them, and if you don't, you're done. So let's backtrack a little bit to that first run of the game. And we're gonna, let's backtrack even a little bit further on that. 2018, Kansas City and Sioux City met in the first round of the playoffs. And it was a night game in Sioux City. Long-time Sioux City right fielder Michael Lang loses a ball in the lights, falls for a hit, and ends up costing Sioux City a, a game. Kansas City goes on to win the Miles Wolf Cup. Fast forward to tonight. I forget the guy that you got the box score in front of you. Who got the double? Scott Oda. Oda. Oda hit a ball to right field. Similar sky. Alec Olin lost the ball in the lights. The ball fell. First run scored. Sioux City fans. If you feel there's such a thing as karma, that might be it this year. And it could be a sign that maybe this could be the year for the City Explorers. So it was kind of interesting that, that you know, you, you see that ball fall in and you circle back to five years ago on a similar play. So that was the difference in the game. The other 
Oda scored the other run on a perfectly executed um, squeeze punt. So that was the offense for tonight. Colton Davis pitched very well tonight for Fargo, Kevin, but unfortunately the team didn't produce anything for him. Disappointing end to his run of seven straight victories, too, to start his professional career. And what what a disappointing you know loss for him, I'm sure, to find that his team just didn't couldn't produce any run support for him. And now the Red Hawks, looking back, I'm wondering what the heck happened this season, I'm sure. It's definitely not like the recent success of the Red Hawks where they were used to being in the finals, especially the last couple of years. Now, I wonder what happens. How many of those guys on that team are going to go play in that tournament in Mexico? And if there are a bunch of them, what happens till then? Do they just work out in Fargo and rest up? Do they go back home and reconvene? Kind of interesting to see how that is all going to play out. I think and how many 20. of the guys are actually going to go down there? And how many are going to get picked up from other teams to fill, fill particular roles? 26th or something like that, if I remember, 22nd, something like that, before that series got underway. So be interesting to see. Well, let's jump to the East, Kevin. And uh, we'll begin with Cleburne and Chicago. And Cleburne looked like Man had everything rolling their way as they scored two runs in the top of the fourth inning to get a little bit of a lead there for themselves, thanks to a Jose Sermo uh, two-run single. But uh, Chicago battles back with four in the bottom of the fourth and gets one in the fifth to come away with a 5-2 victory. Nick Green pitched very well tonight, Kevin. He, I guess, you know, a lot of ways you look at him, he's probably the long-term ace of this, if, if there was an ace for this club for most of the season. Uh, Brian Schlitter, though, Kevin, we don't really, we haven't really talked a lot about him as the closer, but um, and and the fantastic job he's done with the dogs. But but this guy has really been a reason why Chicago is where they're at, and he comes up with a big save tonight. So nice pitching performance, and Chicago evens the series. No doubt, and I, you know, the turning point of that game was a big um, home run by Luke Mangieri that turned the deficit into a lead, and the dogs never looked back. Yeah, guy finished with 17 homers, 18 during the regular season. And uh, another person, again, we we don't spend a lot of time talking about him because I think Josh Altman was overshadowing his performance this season with his own kind of MVP run. But Manchieri's been a guy that, you know, was that number two bat in the lineup that they could depend upon to protect Altman. And uh, as you said, he has a huge, huge home run here tonight. So, um, absolutely fantastic performance by Chicago to stay alive. Now looking into tomorrow, Kevin, uh, who winds up coming away with that game? You have to f- feel the momentum swing tonight, plus the fact that you're going to be on home turf um, definitely favors Chicago, though I would not count out Cleburne because I know they're going to go in as underdog, and they're probably figuring we got nothing to lose here, boys. Let's just go get it. So, I'd say Chicago, but I wouldn't be surprised if Cleburne had found a way either. So it should be a excellent game on Saturday night from Impact Field. In the other East Division game here tonight, the defending East Division champions find themselves trailing 4-1, to one, heading into the top of the fourth, but a huge seven-run inning uh, where the team sends uh, has seven runs off five hits, send 11 men to the plate, 
Uh, everybody was coming up with a big hit or a walk or something in that inning, including uh, Roy Morales with a two-run double in that frame, really got the, the thing going. Brian Torres had a two-run single. The two guys that you depend on this lineup to come up with big hits. And Milwaukee stays alive here tonight, Kevin. They just managed, they managed to find holes, and when they got going offensively, they just all fed off of each other and kept the kept the miracle round and the bases going and did what nobody else could uh, could do against um, C.J. Eldred in the second half of the season, and that's um, get him out of the ball game early on. Yeah, he winds up giving up six runs and three in the third innings. Uh, the second kind of tough outing for him, I, you know, he was so invincible for the longest time, but August 27th, he'd given up five runs in four innings against Cleburne. Otherwise, he had given up one or fewer runs in, what is this, 10 of his previous 11 starts. I mean, that, that's just a ridiculous number altogether. But tonight, just did not have his stuff. And now Kane County has to regroup, Kevin. Um, I think, though, if you're Kane County, you got to feel like one bad inning went against you. You won this game for the most part, except for, you know, when it mattered most, I guess, on the scoreboard kind of thing. But I don't think if you're Kane County right now, you're you're stressed out whatsoever about game three tomorrow night at your own ballpark. Well, I think if you're, if you're Kane County, the thing you feel good about is that you did manage to shut them down after that inning, and you managed to claw back to make it a close ball game, a two-run deficit at the end so those are two positives right there you've got the reigning american association rookie pitcher of the year with western muir pitching game three for you i assume milwaukee is going to go with juan echeverria kyle Moore would be their other option because milwaukee used frankie bardo and christian young both in relief tonight so i'm guess i'm guessing of the two echeverria would be the one to go for the milkman tomorrow night he was on the, the milkman last year in the postseason, would only pitch one inning in the postseason, allowing one run. So he's he has not been battle tested in the postseason. Jack Fox is activated on Kane County's roster. I don't know what kind of shape he's in, but you have to imagine if Muir struggles early, then maybe Fox is going to be an ace in the hole for the Cougars because the Cougars did use a lot of their bullpen tonight, except for their main men at the end with Logan Nissen and and um, Daniel Beef. How did you like the move, move by Anthony Barone tonight, Kevin, to use both Bartow and Christian Young in this contest? Three of his six primary starters he's used this season got into the action tonight. I understand all hands on deck, but uh, now you like you're talking about Mora or Echeverria going for tomorrow. Well, I think it's just um, Barone showing confidence in his pitching staff, and I, you know, you, I, you, you can't say bullets when it's a, uh, when if you lose a game two, you're done for the season. You can't save these guys for a game you don't know you're going to have for sure. So, I was a little surprised to see Christian Young in the late innings, but I think there's been a little bit of a problem in the Milwaukee pen with. Uh, with the, with the gap between the starters and then Peyton Graves. So I'm thinking maybe Barone felt a little more confident with one of his better starters coming out of the pen to get some out later in the ballgame. Interesting about the series, Kevin, Ryan Zimmerman, who you could make a very strong case, was the best starting pitcher for Milwaukee this season. 
got beat down in game one. C.J. Eldred, who was absolutely phenomenal over the last half of the season, and you could make an argument was a top starter on this staff, got hammered tonight. What are you expecting for game three tomorrow? Well, you know the way baseball works, it'll probably end up being like a two-to-one ball game. Probably will be. Who comes away with that two-to-one ball game, Kevin? Um, I am going to say that the more playoff-tested team, Milwaukee, is going to find a way to come out of it with a victory. Oh, he's going against this prediction for the series. All right. I like it. Outstanding. Kevin, before uh, kind of closing up the show, we're talking about a couple of other things here real quick. Um, you brought atten- my attention to uh, a note about longtime great Reggie Abercrombie, ha- whose number was uh, was inducted into the American Association Hall of Fame before the season. Some some uh, sad news we're hearing out about his health right now. Yeah, a report came out from a, from a baseball academy that he works for that he is currently in intensive care. We don't know anything about what exactly happened, if it was a accident, if it was a personal health issue. But regardless of what it is, you know, he's in ICU, so it has to be something serious. So, you know, all you fans out there that know Reggie Abercrombie, um, get your prayers up to him, and hopefully we're going to hear good news. Absolutely. You know, and when it's playoff time in the American Association, you and I got to watch Reggie Abercrombie do some amazing things. So, you know, uh, we know that this time of the year, this is always when he was at his best, and we're hoping that his health is at his best, too, that his greatest fight of all is, is going on right now. So, Reggie, get better soon here. Uh, Kevin, I don't think we have any other exciting news going on around the American Association here tonight. Um, I believe that the league did, did they throw out their... Uh, Awards yesterday? Did that, did that go down and I'm not paying enough attention? Maybe not. Yes. Uh, okay. Chris Herman was named Player of the Year. I'm trying to remember these off the top of my head, so sorry if there's a delay here. Rookie Offensive Player of the Year was Dayton Cruz. Dyson? Yeah, Dayson Cruz. I, I disagreed. I thought it should be Jordan Barth, but I just felt like since Cruz was on the postseason all-star team, that they should throw, throw Barth the bone so both guys could get recognition. What else did they do? Rookie pitcher of the year was Weston Muir. I had D.J. Wilkinson, but Muir I thought was also a deserving choice. And defensive player of the year was kind of a surprising one. Um, Sam Dexter of Fargo-Moorhead won. If he had asked me off the top of my head, I would have said um, Gally Cribs, Jr., but Sam Dexter's also a fine ball player and uh, one of those guys that Fargo Moorhead can plug in every day and know that he'll do a fine job at shortstop. So those were the four award winners, I believe, that were named yesterday. Okay, we're waiting on pitcher and manager of the year then at this point. Yes, you've got to spread that out. Yeah, absolutely. And and no argument, uh, you know, there's a, a very strong case to be made for Chris Herman. Kevin and I will be coming out with our award winners as the championship series is going along, as we have traditionally done here. So we all know that's the real, you know, award winners anyway, you know. So um, <laughs> he says, of course, the, 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 beauti- the beautiful mythical trophy that comes with it. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. awards awards you get from us, we don't clog your trophy case. So, you know, we're we're pretty considerate like that. 
yeah, we're not tying up uh, things for shipping and, you know, mailmen don't no, have a huge no. load to lift or anything like that. We, we look after no. the little guys, but it's what we do. That's right. Us little guys looking out for the little guys. Well, Kevin, it's uh, it's great to see uh, two game threes tomorrow night um, and some exciting action. Both of us looking for uh, Milwaukee hanging on and wind up coming away with that and Chicago, the home team, coming away with that tomorrow night here. So we're going to see how that winds up materializing. And I think that's where we're at here. Uh, anything we want to close out the show with before we run tonight? I'm just, you know, I'm just excited for tomorrow night, you know. Um, at the 10th inning stretch HQ tomorrow night, we'll probably get, it's a, it's a Saturday night. The weather's supposed to be good, you know, a little bit of fall creeping in, but we'll get the, we'll get the grill cranked up and grilled some brats and bring the laptop out to the patio and watch yourself some one or done baseball tomorrow night. It should be pretty exciting. And of course, Rob and I will be back to tomorrow night to wrap it all up for you. Fantastic. Well, for Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Pernier. We'll see you back tomorrow night on This Week in the Association.